Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Water Podcast. I'm glad you joined us today. I want to tell you that next week, or rather the next time we release an episode, I'm not sure if next week being Christmas Day, I don't know that we'll release one right in that day unless we put up together something just real short and sweet for Christmas. But whenever we release the next episode, it's going to be on something called the Discipleship Multiplier. And what we're looking at is the math of disciple making. Or maybe it's answering a question or looking at a question, examining a question. Why did Jesus choose disciple making? And we'll flesh that out a little bit more, some of his other options, and then maybe maybe why he did, ultimately, is his wisdom. Anyway, we'll cover that next time, but what we want to do is we want to give you a tool at the end of that, something you can use, that you can play around with and look at, and it can kind of show you what kind of impact you can have when you choose to focus on disciple-making. It's really powerful, and it will kind of amaze you. So, hopefully it'll be good. Uh, I would have done it this week, except... I'm still working on the technology piece so that you can easily download it and blah, 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 blah. So hopefully we'll get that done. Today I want to talk about, uh, well, maybe we'll call this one the Christmas episode. Uh, I want to talk about the the Good Samaritan and this idea of being kind to people. You know, in America today, even people with no church background, if you say, oh boy, that guy, that guy's a Good Samaritan. That lady, boy, she's a Good Samaritan. Everybody knows what you mean, a Good Samaritan. And what's funny is I was visiting with a fellow a little bit about, about this episode, not episode, this story in the Bible, Luke chapter 10. And he was kind of backwards on that. His his impression was that, that Jesus had chosen the Good Samaritan because the Samaritans were naturally all good. And the, the interesting thing or, or funny thing, like it's become such a part of us and he had just never studied that part of the history. And he didn't realize that there was been no Jew in Jesus's time that would have ever put the word good and Samaritan in the same sentence, unless it was something to the effect of, you know, the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. Ever caught yourself saying that about some group of people? Or have you ever heard someone say that about a group of people? I have. Might have even said something about that, like that. Hope I didn't. But it would it would be within the realm of possibility that I've said something like that in my history. Anyway, it's interesting that Jesus, in his story of the Good Samaritan, uses... Uh, somebody who was hated, someone that there was a lot of hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. But Jesus uses this example, and it's kind of permeated our culture to the point that good Samaritan now means, or, or the word Samaritan has a connotation of goodness with it because of this story Jesus told. What I want to encourage you guys on today is I just never want you to, don't ever underestimate the power of doing some act of kindness. You just never know how it will affect it. You never know what Jesus will do with that. I can make some guesses about what Jesus does when we don't do acts of kindness. I can guess the kind of impact not being kind has on people. But the act of kindness, sometimes you're just a part of God's story and God puts you in someone's life for a time and a moment, maybe just a moment, to do something kind. And I'm not talking about opening the door for somebody. Sometimes that's really kind. But I'm talking about, you know, the Samaritan. It wasn't like, he saw the guy and went over and gave him a cup of water and went on his way. You know, it wasn't this momentary act of kindness, but it, it took some effort. And there was some diligence required. 
It cost him something. But that act of kindness, and I know it's a story Jesus made up, but that act of kindness had changed the whole connotation of what millions of Americans in places all over the world think of the word Samaritan, all from this story Jesus told. So I want to encourage you guys, one, pray for opportunities to be kind and uh, keep your eyes open and looking for what Jesus is doing around you. What kind of spurred this on today, I had a couple of opportunities and Hopefully I won't lose my rewards in heaven by telling you. Since our audience isn't huge, maybe I won't lose most of them. Anyway, today I did make a grown man cry. For those of you who don't know, I work in a nice little rural post office in the mornings. And it's, I mean, by rural, I mean there's us and uh, way station entry to the state, port of entry, way station, whatever. That's the only thing open in in town, and this guy came in, his truck had broken down, and he didn't have any cell phone service, and, you know, all I did was kind of let him use my cell phone, offered him a cup of coffee, uh, helped him out a couple times later. He wound up finally being able to get a hold of his company, and they could could send the mechanic out, so he was in good shape, but he was going to have to wait around Naravisa for a long time. A long time ago, there used to be a great restaurant in nearby, said, but that's probably been 15 years ago. So my wife had happened to drop by the post office and she'd bought some amazingly delicious cheddar sausage balls. My wife would like to say that she brought, they were not bought, if I said that incorrectly. So she brought by some sausage balls and I just offered them, hey, would you like to have these? These will take care of you for lunch. And he really was, I don't think he was a man, I would assume he has some some background in the scriptures, but he wasn't a man that I looked at or just action. Different interactions would tell me that he's not in a daily following Jesus atmosphere. But he really literally, he teared up and just said, you know, thank you so much. God was being so good to me by having you here. And I wish I had had better words to say or, you know, I told him God bless him too. I wish I'd have had some more cool words to point that back to Jesus. But I think the fact is he still recognized that that God was there and that God had looked out for him today. Now, what God does with that, I don't know. This man was actually also from Italy and drives a truck in America. Kind of interesting. If you've ever been a foreigner in a foreign land, you can know that all of those issues, any issue is like multiplied by however amount because it's hard to solve if you're not in your, your native culture and your native language. So anyway, Just an opportunity to do kindness to somebody makes a big difference. So I want to read you a story today. Now, I don't know that the story is true. It's floating around. Let's say that it's another parable, a parable that uh, examines, spells out just a real good thing of what it looks like to do a good deed to somebody else. And, you know, Maybe there's some elements and truth in this. Maybe it's a true story that got embellished. Maybe it's actually true. Maybe it's actually made up. That I don't know. If some, It's floating around the internet a lot. I could not find an original source for it. If somebody knows that, you could share it with me and that'd be great. But anyway, take it for what it is. But <laughs> it's still a good story. And what reminded me today, there's another old lady that lives in my little town. And she came by today, and she's out of wood at her house, and she's cold, and she was asking, there was a pile of wood at the back of our property, and so ask if anyone cared if, if she got that, and I, of course, said no. And so hopefully we'll get an opportunity to help her out a little bit. 
But that reminded me of this story. Now, as I said before, this story is all over the internet. So if you start listening and you realize you've read it before and you don't want to listen to me read it to you, you can jump forward to somewhere around the 17 minute. It was Christmas Eve, 1942. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money to buy me the rifle that I wanted for Christmas. We did the chores early that night for some reason. I just figured Daddy wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible. After supper was over, I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace and waited for Daddy to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood to read scriptures. But Daddy didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up again and went outside. I couldn't figure it out because we'd already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it long, though. I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. Soon he came back in. It was a cold, clear night out, and there was ice in his beard. Come on, Matt, he said. Bundle up good. It's cold out tonight. I was really upset then. Not only wasn't I getting the rifle for Christmas, now he was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a night like this. But I knew he was not very patient at one dragging one's feet when he told them to do something. So I got up and put my boots on and got my coat. Mommy gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up but I didn't know what. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team, already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was we were going to do wasn't going to be a short, quick little job. I could tell. We never hitched up this sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Daddy was already up on the seat, reins in hand. I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me. I wasn't happy. When I was on, Daddy pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off and I followed. I think we'll put on the high sideboards, he said. Here, help me. High sideboards? It had been a bigger job than I wanted to do with just the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do, it would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. Then Daddy went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood. The wood I'd spent all summer hauling down from the mountain. And then all fall sawing into blocks and splitting. What was he doing? Finally, I said something. I asked, What are you doing? You been by the widow Jensen's lately, he asked. Mrs. Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest being eight. Sure, I'd been by, but so what? Yeah, I said. Why? I rode by just today, he said. Little Jakey was out digging around in the woodpile trying to find a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said, and then he turned and went back into the woodshed for another armload of wood. I followed him. We loaded the sled so high that I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, he called a halt to our loading. Then we went to the smokehouse, and he took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in a sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. What's in the little sack, I asked. Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. We rolled the two miles to Mrs. Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Daddy was doing. We didn't have that much by worldly standards. Of course, we did have a big woodpile, but most of what was left now was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and split before we could use it. We also had meat and flowers so we could spare that. 
but I knew he didn't have any money. So why was he buying them shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house and unloaded the wood as quietly as possible. Then we took the meat and flour and shoes to the door. We knocked. The door opened a crack, and a timid voice said, Who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Mrs. Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Mrs. Jensen fumbled with the match and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Daddy said, and set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table. Then he handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best. Shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling, and then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at my daddy like she wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We brought a load of wood too, ma'am, he said. Then he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough to last a while. Let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in the wood. I had a big lump in my throat, as much as I hate to admit it. There were tears in my eyes, too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks with so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me, and a joy that I'd never known before filled my soul. I had given it Christmas many times before, but never when it made so much difference. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirits soared. The kids started giggling when Daddy handed them each a piece of candy. And Mrs. Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face for a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his angels to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and tears swelled up in my eyes again. I'd never thought of my daddy in those exact terms before. But after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than daddy had never walked the earth. I started remembering all the times he had gone out of his way for mommy and me and many others. The list seemed endless as I thought on it. Daddy insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit, and I wondered how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guessed that if he was on an errand for the Lord, that the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. My daddy took each of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him and didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their daddy, and I was glad that I still had mine. At the door, he turned to Widow Jensen and said, The missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat, and a man can get cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. We'll be by to get you about eleven. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here hasn't been little for quite a spell. I was the youngest. My two brothers and two sisters had all married and had moved away. Mrs. Jensen nodded and said, Thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say, may the Lord bless you. I know for certain that he will. Out on the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within, and I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone away, his daddy turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. 
Your mother and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you, but we didn't have quite enough. Then yesterday a man who owed me a little money from years back came by to make things square. Your mom and me were real excited thinking that now we could get you that rifle, and I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way I saw little Jakey out scratched in the woodpile with his feet, with his feet wrapped in those gunny sacks, and I knew what I had to do. Son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children. I hope you understand. I understood. And my eyes became wet with tears again. I understood very well and was so glad Daddy had done it. Now the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. He had given me a lot more. He had given me the look on Mrs. Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or split a block of wood, I remembered and remembered back and remembering brought back that same joy I felt riding home beside my daddy that night. He had given me much more than a rifle that night. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. By author Matt Miles. Well, that's quite the story, isn't it? I'll be honest, I teared up a few times when I read it. Every time I've read it. There's something great about reaching out to people that are really in need. And if you've ever been in need yourself, then you know... How wonderful it is when someone reaches out and helps you. And I know as a follower of Jesus that I feel God watching me when someone comes and and helps me when I need it. I know that God sees me and that he sent them. And I think just like the truck driver that I saw today, I think even non-believers feel that same thing. They recognize, hey, something, someone interfered on my behalf today. And hopefully it's a part or a part of their story of coming to Jesus. I just want to encourage you guys, encourage us. When we live out our faith, we have to also live out with actions. We can't just have faith without actions. In fact, as you know, James chapter 2 says that faith without works is dead. So I'd encourage you as you're out and about this week, especially in the holiday season, it goes for all year, but especially right now, Pray for opportunities and keep your eyes open and looking. Recently, I watched another video by a man named Alex Absalon that is uh, working on planting a bunch of house churches in California. And the, the video was about prayerfully asking, just stopping to pray, but stopping also to listen. One of the things he likes to pray is, is, God, what are you doing here? Trying to see what God is up to. So I hope that you get some opportunities to be the proverbial Good Samaritan. I hope that you get some opportunities to speak goodness and to speak God into people's lives. hope you get some opportunities to help those that can't pay you back this Christmas season. I know that God will bless our actions. I don't necessarily think that's with a returned financial blessing. But He does bless it. And when we obey Him and we act out the body of Christ, I believe people are drawn to the kingdom. And there's no better Christmas gift than that. Hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas if I don't talk to you between now and then. We appreciate you guys. Do some good. Make some disciples. If you have an opportunity to do something good and you have an opportunity to take one of the people you're discipling with you or someone that you think you'd like to disciple, take them with you and let them share in that act of helping somebody. This week I've actually had a couple of opportunities to do that specifically with my children. And it's been a blessing, and it's good for them, and they may not understand everything now, 
But I believe in time they will, and I believe we're sowing seeds into them. What it means to follow Jesus, it means to follow him with all your heart. So until next time, I'll see you guys. Remember, next time you tune in, uh, we'll be talking about the discipleship multiplier, and that will be a lot of fun. Until then, have a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you later.